0: All right, welcome to the A-Game Podcast today. It's a Thursday episode, got out a little bit midday, but we got it out. My guest today, once again, for the second time, is the return of John, the manimal Beneduce. He is a fellow training partner of mine, been a friend for over a decade now. Inspirational story. This is the second time he's been on, so definitely go back and check the first episode he was on when we talk more about his journey and where he is, and now we're kind of taking it from there just going into where life has brought him, and he is one of the most unique characters. Anybody who knows him or has heard him on past podcasts of his own or my own definitely knows that you never know what he's going to say. You never know what he's going to do, and that keeps it exciting. So he is one of a kind. He was one of my first guests. He was very... Uh, supportive for me right from the beginning. So I'll always have him on anytime he wants to talk. It's always great catching up with him. Um, you know, I definitely want to just say as usual, thanks to the sponsors go on nicknick.com slash links, you guys can find all the ways to connect with me. And I definitely want everybody to reach out and find a way to do real estate together. I give the whole spiel every time buy property, sell properties, partner on properties, whatever you want to do, you can contact me through nicknick.com slash links. And you can go on nicknick.com slash um, bigger pockets to get a free calculator. Um, but, uh, I do want to, before we get into this episode, um, you know, take a moment. There was, you know, I have John on and I've been training with him for a long time. And it made me think of, uh, you know, the old days back at Ray Longo's and even on Herrick's road, the old days at Sarah's and East meadow. And then, you know, Longo's first place and just all the people that I've met over the years there that I've been, you know, training next to on and off for, I don't know, 12, 13, 14, maybe even longer years. And, uh, you know, I I want to respect the privacy because I haven't seen much on it, but, you know, somebody that we've known a long time from there, we lost uh, this week and I did not expect to hear that. And it just made me think about all of the nice things that this person did for me over the years that were just above and beyond that. I, you know, never asked for any credit for it. Never, I never had to ask her to do anything. She just did things and helped me out and supported me and did things behind the scenes to help me with some of the stuff with me getting amateur fights and you know, when I hurt my neck and when there was some, uh, you know, just other I I won't even get into but there's tons of things over the years that this person was always a phone call away or a text away. Always good to see them, always asked how I was. I've never heard them say a bad word about anybody. She was at Longo's I'd say of all the times I've been there probably 80% of the time she was always there training. Um, we spent some time together at uh, Al's fight not that long ago when he fought Kevin Lee the second time and got to really spend some quality time together. Just a good person who I will always remember was super, super nice to me, very supportive of me, and never said a bad word about anybody and was always looking after people and taking care of people. So just wanted to take a moment and uh, acknowledge that. And I hope wherever you are that somebody's finally taking care of you the way that you took care of everybody else. So, uh, you know, a bit of a serious note starting out, but I definitely wanted to mention it, especially because they have another longtime friend who shared them as a friend with John Manamo Benaduce. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Uh, sorry, I got it out a little late on Thursday, but I did get it out where I know I slacked the last couple. So back to being a man of my word and doing things no matter how busy I get. Uh, closing on a property this week, that's been a little crazy. So it back things up and, uh, apologize, but I'll tell you guys all about that. And I hope you enjoy this episode with John, the Manimal Duce. Check out the links on the show notes to find out how to listen to his podcast and find out about his Manimal Training Camp with some UFC stars such as Matt Favola and other great people in fitness, mental health, physical transformations that John does every so often. So follow him, the Manimal Zone Podcast and Animal Manimal Training Camp. Have a great day. Thank you. All right. My guest today on the A-Game podcast is an entrepreneur with a master's in history and forensic psychology. He is a professional MMA fighter, a second degree Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. He is the host of the Manimal Zone podcast, founder of the Manimal Training Camp. And as you might have heard on a prior visit, he has made an incredible journey from going up from 300 pounds all the way down to 145 pounds and fighting at Bellator Final Championship in Madison Square Garden, where you might see the amazing batter behind you. Welcome back to the A-Game podcast. Polarizing personality of Instagram, John the Manimal Benaduce.
1: I'm gonna save that introduction and I might use <laughs> that for the Manimal's own introduction. <laughs> that was one of the most concise journeys through the pivotal moments of my life I've ever heard in like 30 seconds.
0: <laughs> I say, that's why your
1: <laughs> podcast gets thousands of views and I get 300.
0: No, I li- I like your podcast, man. You it said it's just it's growing, like you said. Consistency is of, kind of what we were, uh, we were. We were touching on a couple of things before we started recording. One of them being consistency, and the other one we were talking about a system of checks and balances. And there's there's a whole bunch of different things. It's been uh, almost two years. I think it was June 2019 when your last. Uh, it was right around your fight when we released the the last the last episode. So you had a big win, Madison Square Garden. I was there. You had the the Thor hammer come into the ring. It was an awesome performance. Lago was proud of you. Everybody's proud of you. So I'll give you an official congratulations on the big win and the big comeback, not only for the fight, but just for everything you did to get to the fight mentally and physically, man, was a huge, huge accomplishment.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. What a journey that was. I mean, I thank the gods. You know, I am very pious in the old ways. When I say I praise Odin and the old gods, I I don't just, it sounds like lip service because it sounds crazy to people. But for me, I do do it. I mean, when I called out to Odin in the garden, I really felt it. Like, that's that's what I felt. I told him the hammer was a religious symbol, too. I'm like, listen, it's a religious symbol. What the hell? So, yeah, I mean, my faith gave me focus on that one. And, and yeah, crazy journey. Everything went the right way. I thank the gods every day, really. I still thank them. And uh, we'll see if the gods have more in store for me as far as battle in that venue. But I am itchy for combat. So, I do want to do something. I don't know if I should do some jujitsu again. I thought I was going to have a fight, but Bellator was trying to kind of set me up. And I'm okay with that, but give me a full camp. So, I don't know if you heard me say they offered me some guy, this killer, this like D1 wrestler, you know, badass uh, fighter. He's 4 0. This guy, Cody Law. Let me give him on two weeks' notice. So I was like, first of all, I can't even make 45 on two weeks' notice. I'm 40. Can you give me something? Some <laughs> The guy's 25, stud, even to take that fight, I know how the odds are in that. You know, I should, of course, on paper, he should beat me, but I believe in myself if that's what the gods want for me to be victorious, then I will be. So I would take him. I'm like, fuck, you give me a full camp? It's cheaper that dude, too, because how Bellator does it is the, the team they build up, like their development league. Those guys know eight weeks out that they're fighting. They just don't have an opponent yet. So they'll tell a guy like Aviv, they're like, listen, you're going to fight in eight weeks. Start training. Start getting ready. Start getting in shape. And then they'll try to grab a guy two, three weeks out to set him up at a disadvantage. That's the art of war. So they're definitely doing that. And it doesn't always work out in their favor. Charlie, you know Cannibal? Yeah, yeah. They're always trying to set him up in those. And he's always kicking those guys' asses.
0: Yeah, he just had a big win.
1: He just had a big win. The teams, you know, listen there's there's killers everywhere. You open a door at Longo's and a freaking top 10 fighter jumps out. So they think it's a setup. But yeah, for me, listen, I know my body. I want to put my best effort. I don't know how many more I have. I might not have any more. Who knows the way the climate's being. Things might turn out in such a way that, you know, that I'm good in that venue. I don't know. Odin said I have more. So I'm training and doing the right thing. The gods kind of intuit to me that, I'll fight again, so I'm just, you know, training. It's not like I'm not training. Uh, I love you, it, man. Tuesday nights law—that's always fun.
0: Yeah, that's this next thing. So I know since since the last time we talked, you've gotten uh, you got your podcast going. You've had a couple of co-hosts with you on and off. Manimal uh, training camp still going strong. I see a lot of videos on that and you've been teaching now a lot more. I see the videos that you're posting on a lot of the techniques and the jujitsu stuff that's going on over at Law MMA and I, I think you're a great teacher and I really like the stuff that you've been sharing, man. So talk about a little bit, how how did, how did that come about that you wind up being the jiu-jitsu instructor over there? Because, dude, I mean, you've been a, a black belt almost as long as I've been training, man. The knowledge that you have and the experience you have on the mat, I'm surprised you didn't start teaching earlier.
1: Thank you. I mean, I, I do love coaching and teaching. and I was coaching unofficially a lot before the pandemic actually, you know, just jump in coach. I do like to coach Uh, and then I owned the gym. So I was coaching fitness, coaching Jiu Jitsu there. I'm a little, especially now I am a little guarded about my time. If you, if I wanted to like really run a program or really run a school, it's a lot of time commitment. Sure. And uh, I'm kind of guarded with my time. Plus I like my own time to train. Like when I train, when I coach, I don't really train. So like when I coach class, I might, I don't really train. I might show some stuff, maybe a minute or two, but I really would rather watch everyone train. Kind of like if you think about when I'm in coach mode, I think about, you know, getting coached. You just really watch as you train. Ray doesn't get in there and really train with you. He watches you spot. He You know, so when I teach the class, I want to watch the guys. I want to watch them roll. I want to think about what each guy needs to work on. So yeah, when I coach, I coach. When I train, I train. I don't really coach that much when I'm training. So I'll even shift over. Like I know there was once or twice when I was training for my fight at Madison Square Garden. Let's say it was a night Aljo was training at the same time to fight Pedro Munoz. So there would be a lot of times, let's say Aljo was gonna teach a Monday night class and it would just be like, yo, banged up. Or I remember there being medical, whatever it was. I remember teaching a lot of those Monday night classes. And I remember if I was gonna train that night, I would be like, all right, well, I would look at my recovery and, and be like, okay, tonight could be a light night. I'm going to drill a little and then just teach. So I, I am mindful of that. But if I wasn't going to fight anymore, yeah, I would just teach all the time.
0: Nice. Those guys are technical guys.
1: Or sleeping or taking a night off. <laughs> no, sometimes, it, you, listen, you want to take a night off, you don't even want to go and teach. You just want to sit on the couch and just you know, well, you can't smoke a joint during a fight camp, but, you know, you can take CBD, you take a hot bath. You might just need recovery time. You might just be thinking about your own shit. So, yeah, but uh I, I do love coaching. And I'm always trying to, everything I teach, you could use in MMA, in jiu-jitsu. I don't want to have to remember 12 different styles. For me, it needs to be really serviceable. It's like a screwdriver and a hammer. I right away can use these things. I'm like, <laughs> you know. I, I need to have some versatility that it doesn't you don't want to spend all that if you want to fight and I imagine laws of fight gym, you need to tailor your training so that the moves you can use and refine without strikes will be easily adaptable when you add that element into it. if I start showing you techniques that are susceptible to uh, striking intervention, and you always rely on those it's going to put you at disadvantage. Now you're going to have to work different stuff for the fight. So I'm always thinking of that. So hopefully my techniques look like have that in mind. And I always thought it was pretty simple, very serviceable craftsman. Like I'm not really much of an artist. I'm more like <laughs> functional. But yeah. No, a lot know. of
0: the stuff, man, it's, it, it seems very, uh, like you said, it, it looks high percentage. It looks easy to remember and stuff that you can pull off in a pinch. And I, I've always liked that. Like that was something I remember from like one of my first fights to the second was talking to Corfage, and he was like, Less options are better. Like you need simple things you can transition to, so you're not thinking about thirty different things. Because by the time you pick one, the position moved, you, you're getting your face punch or something like that. So I do, I do like that. Especially, I think that people who don't understand the difference between like a newer black belt like myself and a guy like you who's been around is like the stuff that you're doing. You've tried so many different things that you know. Like, look, I've tried the fancy stuff. I've tried the basic stuff. I've tried all these things. Here's what's going to be your best bet. Like, do these things. So I like. Most of the stuff is high percentage. And when I see it, it's like you said, I go, man, I never thought of that. But that really makes sense. And, and I, I'm saving all those videos. I'm like, yeah, this is good. I can't wait to get back. And I see a lot of your uh, internet co-stars behind you. He, he gets a lot of. Uh... Uh, you know,
1: my <laughs> wife was saying Henry needs to get his black belt. But with the freaking attitude this guy has. He's you a slacker. I mean, You Stop, you know, because he always <laughs> says I never tapped him. But the guy don't freaking tap. He's that training punch. You see, he don't stop. This is that train opponent that never taps. I put the move on right. You just stub it. You barely move it. Stop it. So Henry, yeah, I don't know. He he really shares black belt. The guy's like impossible to tap. Man, he's just such a tool. I don't know.
0: Terrible. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that that style of working jujitsu into MMA so it's all applicable. I know Matt's like always been a big proponent of that too. Is that something that came down from like the Henzo legacy? Is that something you kind of learn from him? Because I know some some schools don't really teach like that, but that's something like I, I always notice at Sarah's and at Longo's, it's kind of like, these are positions that will work for you in jiu-jitsu and in MMA.
1: I definitely, you know, that is the Henzo Gracie lineage, really. If there's any signature of Henzo's guys, I think it would be that their style's applicable both ways. Even if you look at Neiman Gracie, right, who's out of Henzo's, that's kind of that lineage, Matt. Um, I mean, my style is like that. Even, I bet you, you put Gordon and Ryan in them, in fights, Gary Tonin, their jujitsu works in the fight, and there's a, be a self-defense curriculum too. Nick, say it again. There used to be a self-defense curriculum in jujitsu coaching when I first started with Rodrigo Gracie. So you would you would do like defense if the guy grabbed you body lock from behind, or if a guy uh, went to, you know, grab your just just grab your sleeve or your collar or uh, just went to double hand choke you. So it was a little a little different, but uh, all that sounds valuable. And you know what? I'm going to teach tonight uh, technical get-ups again. I was watching a fight in the UFC, and this girl went to just stand up after being on her back without doing you know, the technical get-up where you put the one hand down and you sit up and got caught with a head kick. And I was like, oh, man. I was like, just that basic move that, that you drill a million times could be the difference between victory and defeat there's a lot of variables in that
0: it really is a game of inches and that basic stuff you forget how much it really saves your butt things like mount escapes and getting up the right way that girl got mounted after that and got her face pounded that was uh that was pretty brutal but you saw her like take that kick i think it's a uh, it is, you know, it, it is a lot of those basics and a lot of those fundamentals that I, I think go a long way. And I, a lot of like the, the, the Gracie Bulletproof stuff, I think that they're doing, like on the Torrance side, it's a lot of that stuff. Like when I go out there, they have their, like, you know, you rush in hands up to close the distance and they have a little bit of that. So I, I think it definitely. So you know, is the, guy,
1: uh, the spear. The dude. Would just <laughs> spear. So but there is a lot of value to all that. Uh, even, you know, had the punches on the ground. That the average jujitsu guy. If I'm just in his closed guard, the defending punches and especially against, I like my old school game, especially for fighting because all I need is to not get submitted initially. And once I, once you could defend it, you're often, if you could throw strikes in a good striking position. So yeah, I do like it. you? Um, I actually do have something big coming up, Nick. Speaking about my fight at the garden, a little delayed, but uh, after that fight, I had went down to Texas just for like a certification for the steel may stuff. And I met a, a producer, a video guy out there, Jake Fine. And I, you know, we're just shooting a shit, telling my story. He loved the, the story, you know, from being fat to, you know, hurting my shoulder, having the gym, having that fail and coming back and winning at the garden. So we started making a documentary, but COVID delayed it like- a year and a half because we had started right like two years ago so now finally should be out we finished all the taping ray long goes in it we got a great long nice. with Longo with ally at quinta so he had some good interviews in there that we were able to get even in the middle of the pandemic so and there's some good training footage now he had to come back like recently while everything's open to get like training footage and things like that uh, so yeah, mammal documentary should be coming out at the end of the year. So I'm pretty excited about that. I know nothing about any of this, so <laughs> it's a brand new world. Nick, if you got any connections in that field to promote it, I would love to, you know, have it inspire someone. I mean, I was really at the bottom, you know. I mean, I lost like everything and 250g, which is painful, and I made it back, and I'm actually pretty good. Although we'll see where the universe takes me now.
0: I love it, man. It, it's really a good hero's journey story. I, I love all the things on there, you know, personally, professionally, business. Anybody who hasn't listened, I'll put the show links in for the original episode do, what you did when we talked about all that. But I love it, man. You know, I think it says a lot about you and a lot about your character. And, you know, people like you that have been through the ups and downs, I feel like are really okay during these crazy times, but the other people in life that have never really been used to the roller coaster that fighters and entrepreneurs and, and guys like us are used to, they didn't do well adjusting to like all of a sudden like there's pressure and there and and things are changing and yeah, you, you know like like we were talking about it before, just that economic anxiety of like where's my next paycheck coming from is something and that and I've stress. just been used to for 15 years. You know, like I just another day now. It's the first time people have ever been used to that. You know.
1: Yeah, and stress is the, to me, stress is the number one detriment to health. If you have a high level of stress, your body is gonna be less capable of fighting off anything that's happening. And I think when you start to stress society out, we have a lot of issues and humans are really good at taking one thing and saying, this is what is the cause. And really it's a myriad of causes. And almost by highlighting one, you make all the other causes go out of control. So I'm more worried a lot about mental health than I am about physical health sometimes because being overly stressed and not being outside, you know, we do. That's what I try to do with animal training camp, Nick, is I want to give guys, take them back to basics, how your body moves naturally. You see, I like to be out in nature. We do them at steamrollers a lot. We're by the beach. I do everything barefoot in the grass. I want to (laughs) feel the earth. That's where health comes from. When I was the unhealthiest in my life, Nick, was when I had my gym. I was under a lot of stress you know, when things started going bad, I remember being sick all the time. And I'm like, I never fucking get sick. How the hell am I sick? Yeah. And do and training and doing the right things. But that stress level was causing me to get sick. And my dad had had a bad stroke that really, to me was mostly stress related. We had a store and uh, it wasn't going like he wanted, I guess we're similar in that. My dad was an entre- is an entrepreneur too, or was anyway, now he's retired. But that stress made him have a stroke. He was just so stressed about things not going the way he wanted, even though they weren't even that, they weren't as bad as he was making it. But when you're used to killing, like like the years that we did good was super good. So I guess it makes a guy feel a little like things should always be that way. Uh, and that got him sick. So yeah, I'm always cautious about this, about the stress level causing, you know, worse problems than the actual incident. So yeah, being able to cope with stress, that's how heroes play, right? Odysseus is swimming out there on a plank, you know, trying to get home and he makes it. So yeah, stress is how you deal with stress, right? Isn't that the hallmark of
0: heroes? Great. So in a time like this, you know, with all the different things, I know you have exercise, you have different stuff. We talked about micro dosing. What are some of the things you're doing to best manage your stress? Cause you, you look really healthy. You look good.
1: I feel fantastic. I get out and you see this tan, baby. <laughs> I don't know if you can tell the tan through the screen, but vitamin D is the best thing for your immune system. Natural from the sun. So as much as I can until they try to block the sun out, I try to get as much sunlight as possible. I go in the ocean when I can. I think the ocean is just like where all life came from, probably. And when you go back to it, just the, the water has been relatively clean here too because they stopped shipping by where I live in Brooklyn. So I go on the beach, I might actually hit the beach after this, you know, this, praise this. the sun, the sons of the sun, praise the day, the sons of day. Uh, so the beach has been great. Uh, and I love, I like training, you know, I've been training. My diet's been good. You know, I go very high meat lately. I got butcher box coming all the time. Nice. You can sponsor me if you hear this. Uh, so the <laughs> butcher box has been great, you know, they. It's, uh, they ship you a free range organic meat every month, a mixed package for like 129 a month. And it works out being like $10 a pound, let's say, but it's the best meat. And then you could put a couple add-ons. I usually get about $300 worth of meat once they start putting some ribs in there. And uh, yeah, we're, we have a high meat household. I, I know diet is something people argue about, but I think a good quality diet with a lot of good quality meats is how you stay pretty savage. I'm not trying to be like a cow. <laughs> I'm trying to be like a lion. So, and I know bulls and bulls are strong, but humans are omnivorous. It's just, right. and I like fruit, a lot of good fruit. And uh, when I have dessert, the simplest fix, Nick, when I have dessert, I eat half of it. I save the half for two days later or a day later.
0: That is discipline I do not have, my good the littlest
1: man. <laughs> bullshit. I'm telling you, sometimes it's the littlest stupid shit. You just eat half the cake. Or sometimes a third. If it's very rich, like if I get a really rich cheesecake, what is the point of satiety? Right? Recognize that point and then just stop. Otherwise, it's a of diminishing returns. Like with anything. The first slice of that, the first bite is great, right? Second, third. And then the, the pleasure starts to diminish. So if I'm not hungry, once the pleasure starts to diminish, I can, I can settle for a half or a third. I've been better at that lately. Not traditionally great at that, Nick.
0: I try and not have leftovers anymore. I feel like that's what gets me in trouble is even if I'm like, I'm going to get a pizza, or I'm going to get a dessert, oh. leaving it around the house will make me, so you know, I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to toss it or I'm going to like give it to my niece or something. You know, cause I noticed that I'm at my house with my parents when it's like, all right, you know, we're going to give you guys a cheat meal. And then the cheat meal turns into like, well, I didn't eat it all today. And then it's four days of cake every day. And I'm like, well, no, now this killed the whole point. Like you had four days of eating shit that you're not supposed to be having. So I've been trying to learn that a little bit better and just not have it around. But even things, dude, like it's, it's such a, it's the best time to try and be healthy because you can get so many things that don't taste like healthy shit anymore. Like I have those one protein bars They're like 20, I think 20 grams, maybe 18 grams of protein, like 180 calories I use the the dark uh, dark chocolate sea salt, dude. I f- I fucking eat half of one of those. I feel like I'm eating a candy bar. I'm good for hours. You know what I mean? So it's
1: that up. You should throw that in the microwave for ten seconds. Man, Oh, it's a great that's idea. That too, ten seconds in the microwave, and that's dessert. That dude, that's dessert. a great idea.
0: If you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate soon, whether you're beginner, intermediate, or advanced. Any way you're looking to get it on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesaling, fix and flips, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you wanna sell some properties to me, whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Go to www.nicknicknick.com, go on the consultation tab and figure out how to schedule an appointment to talk about where you fit in if you are not sure, or you can just reach out to me on any of my social media channels. If you go on www.nicknicknick.com slash links, you will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today. As
1: far as food, I like to mostly eat real food. So like, I mostly like for breakfast this morning, me and my dog, we shared uh, bacon and eggs. I mean, I had a dozen eggs, five slices of bacon, me and her shared that. Nice, smooth. Maybe I'll have some blueberries for lunch. I want a steak, but I'm out of steak. I'm waiting for this butcher box, damn it. What is (laughs) Tuesday? Because it comes the first. They ship out the first of every month, but it's a heavy box. I'm like, come on, I I, I need my steak out here. Yeah. I don't want to go buy steak because I know in like a day or two I'm going to get all this steak.
0: Yeah.
1: Not that I'm not going to eat it. I love steak.
0: You know, you know what I miss very much is I miss the John and Ray Longo combo on Podcast Weekly. That's what I I miss
1: miss. too. I miss it too. Tell Ray. Can you want to run it?
0: Maybe, uh, maybe I'll, that'll be what I task my assistant. I'll say, you know what? Your job is to once a week get Manimal and Longo together. Because, I mean, he gets his Ray Longo one minute, which is like a 20-minute. But, I mean, it's like the most popular segment. People, I see people in the comments that are always like, I just scrolled through to see where Longo was on that. And, uh, you know, we talked about it a little bit earlier. But, you know, me and Hulk used to listen all the time. And the dynamic between you and, and even Stephen Lee, man. He, he, was, he was good, too. Like, he had a good head on stuff. He was confident in what he was saying. But I, think I thought your banter was great.
1: Can Steve Lee just learn how to do all this? I'm going to talk to Steve Lee tonight. Steve, can you just fucking go on YouTube? You're 24. Learn how to do all this shit, you know. And then he should. It should be me, Steve, and Ray. I like that combo.
0: I can help him if you guys are going to do that. I can help him like with the initial setup stuff and like just tell him I kind have, of what like I do and all that. Done, man. Done. So that leads into in, in the meantime, while people are trying to to quench their palate and, and wait out for the return of that. Um, do you, been do you with, like theirs. Was you
1: do it through Zoom or in person?
0: I've only done them through Zoom, so I'm I'm a bad uh I'm a bad you know Matt would be a good guy to ask because he's done both now, and I know initially he was big on like the energy in the studio is, is irreplaceable, but okay. I'd be interested now because you also have. You are missing a little bit of that, but then you also get to be 10 minutes from the gym and, and that's hours of commuting that you don't have to do. But you guys were doing them right at law for a while, right? And I mean, if you're right there, it's not a big deal. He had to go to the city all the time.
1: Yeah, exactly. If we're at law already, why not come in noon on a Tuesday, lay down an hour and a half and then train?
0: I like it. I, I, I think it's be- I think it's something you should be doing. For as knows? long
1: as I'm going to be in New York, who knows?
0: Yeah, play around with both. So wh- what are you doing right now with the, with the Manimal Zone podcast? Talk a little bit, because I know you had initially, sometimes Rivola's on there, sometimes Carrie's on yeah, there. I
1: have uh, my friend Carrie's on there. She was covering all the girls' stuff when MMA was live. She runs in the girls' corner. But without the live events, she's not doing as much. But me and Carrie are on there now. Me, we had Steamroller was my co-host for a while. I try to get guests whenever I can. We're really better with a guest. So the Manimal Zone, I, I mean, just talking about the fight's insanity. Uh, yeah, so any guests that want to come on the Manimal Zone, let me know. We do it in studio usually, but I might start doing a combination. I'll go to the studio, and then I'll put someone on the big screen, maybe zoom them in, so I could have a combination feel of in-studio and remote. Uh, but right now, yeah, we're just in studio. And uh, yeah, I'm 46 episodes in. It's a hard hustle. I just fixed my audio. It's only 18 minutes the last episode. So go listen to Manimal Zone episode 46 and let me know. I want to do a longer one on Thursday. Maybe get uh, John Callistein on. He's good. I'm trying to get Cannibal back in studio. I had him on an episode. Pumi's episode was really good, but the audio was a little eh. But if you're okay with not the best audio on that episode, Pumi's really good. That kid, I think, is going to be a star too.
0: It's crazy because I remember when he was coming in, just taking hires kickboxing classes at noon, and uh, somebody said something like, "Does anybody in this room ever want to fight?" And he was like, "Yeah, I want to fight one day." And oh, I was—I mean, he was—he was learning like basic combos, and now you How see the guy walking he? around belts and stuff. Man, it's crazy.
1: How old was he? Had to been mad young.
0: Ah, uh, I don't know. Me, me—it was when me and my brother were down there taking hires classes pretty regularly. So I mean, it's, it's years ago now, but
1: yeah, it got to be a while ago. <laughs>
0: Seems like just yesterday, man. That's how you quickly become the old guy at Longos, and nobody knows. You know, I remember I'm telling the stories like when I was. I remember when Pumi first started coming down. But he's looking good, man. He's quick. He's fast. He seems like he's got a good attitude.
1: I mean, I still train twice a week in law with the kids. So, but yo, they always trying to get the old. I spar Thursday night. There's like a group sparring, and man, I got called out like three guys in a row. And someone was like, "Damn, everyone wants an animal." I was like, "No country for old men out here." Holy shit. <laughs> like they want it till they get it and then they don't want it anymore and then I can't stop
0: <laughs> yeah yeah there you go how's the crew looking down there it's, it's, it's an impressive gym every time I hear uh, them asking Longo about what's going on he's got like five six seven guys on like a local show I know he's got the kid down there he's got you know Here's bazooka Dylan's
1: looking good Dylan just crushed his last fight kid J- James Gonzalez won the 45 pound title Pumi's coming up Cannibal won his fight in Bellator I mean, guys are just out here killing it, you know, and that's just in MMA. Forget about guys uh, winning jiu-jitsu tournaments. Oh, man. So, so one of my students just won. One of the guys is my regular, James. But uh, a new guy. So, yeah, guys are just killing it out here. I mean, it's great. So, yeah, we got to find what to do with me. I guess, you know what, maybe the gods don't want me to fight right now. Maybe they're having me work on my the documentary I'm trying to work on my next animal training camp. I really want to do that one big. So I want to take maybe the second week in September, do a two day one by steamroller, and then roll that into a three month program that I run remotely. So I have a business coach that I'm working on with like that does the remote fitness to help me with that. So if I could put a nice program together that I can take first see everyone in person, and then once I feel that in person energy, I can get a feel for them a lot easier for me once I see them in person to coach them remotely for a couple months. That, that, makes, sense. that, that makes sense. Yeah, I like the in person. However, in person is very limiting. So, where I could get a good feel for that is if I spend 10 hours with someone watching them train, how they think, how they move. And really, you got to listen to people. They tell you where their limitations are. Everyone's rolling around with a lot of fake limitations. You ever see... um, You you know how they train an elephant to get chained up? They don't break the chain, right? They take a baby elephant, and they put the chain on the baby elephant. And they get him used to this chain that he can't break. He's a baby. As he grows older, they can put a thinner and thinner chain on him. Because he's accustomed to this. And if you look... You ever see, sometimes we'll have the elephant at the circus. We'll have just like a thin little chain holding his leg. The elephant could easily break this chain. I should put up some videos of elephants freaking flipping cars, (laughs) knocking down houses. Hannibal, they used to use African elephants. They would put a little thing on the head, but they would batter down gates, right the city. So elephants are very powerful. This elephant could easily break this chain. It's nothing that's holding him back. But he's been conditioned to believe that this chain will hold him back. And so he doesn't try to break it at a certain point. He just knows that he can't, even though he can. He grows better. He transforms. He can break it. But his mind never changes. So I'm trying to listen for these things. Where are the chains that people hold themselves? And our whole society is a bunch of people that enslave themselves. They don't know what to do with freedom. It's a little scary. So I'm trying to help them navigate their freedom that's
0: deep that's deep have you watched um combat jiu-jitsu worlds
1: i do like it i would like to get in combat jiu-jitsu dude,
0: that's what i was thinking for you that that last one at 170 was probably top three jiu-jitsu tournaments i've watched it was really entertaining i no. mean and the, i get a one on pound one of
1: that i would do 55 same day weigh in
0: yeah dude i mean the, the, that that freaking guy roberto jimenez is a fucking stud man
1: yo great jiu-jitsu and a little bit of striking. I just wish the only thing that would make it a little bit better to me in a cage.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like that.
1: That's the only thing that would make it a little better to me because I spent a lot of time working on the cage, all that cage work. I'd love to be able to show all that beautiful cage work I've spent my whole life practicing.
0: That whole food chain, man, when I looked at that, like uh, Jacob Boyson, I know it was on there. I trained with him out at uh, Ivan Salaberry's in Seattle. The guy's really good. And then you had Danny Stolfe, you had Nick yeah. Ronan. You yeah, had a, uh, yeah,
1: sure.
0: who else was but on at there?
1: 155. Yeah. Yo, Nick at 155, I'd love to do that. And the pay is okay. If you want to get 10 G's if you, win, if you win, right? Hard for that. I'll try to put together like 20 grand in sponsors, right? Maybe more. Hopefully the A game will sponsor me. It'll be good. Yeah, baby. You know, but yeah, like I, and I'll and to give you some showmanship, right? I could come out and show a little bit at the weigh-ins.
0: It's in Cancun. You get a nice vacation out of it
1: hell yeah yo so combat jiu-jitsu 155 put me in i don't think i can make 45 same day but i can make 55 same day
0: nice yeah i yeah, think c core is coming up in the welter uh middleweight that, that's exciting man that guy i rolled with him a few times it's been a while but i was like man that guy's high level jiu-jitsu right there he was he was really good he had some some crafty mount escapes and stuff we were working like i think he'll do really well man
1: i'm willing to put my old school style i still rep the old style even though I train with the new kids and I'm, I'm familiar with that game, you know I back I put I put forth my style. I, I'm I'm w- I'm willing to go with any of those kids.
0: I think you have a great style for that, and I think yes, yeah, like just sitting there putting that old man slap down on them. There you go, <laughs> boom, if, bitch. <laughs>
1: can I backhand them?
0: I think you can. I think backhand you can actually.
1: The backhand?
0: I think it was Danny Stofey was kind of doing like one of those off of his back at one point. Maybe yo, he was right
1: backhanded dude? Mm, <laughs> fuck mm, mm.
0: Just. I think that's next.
1: Right by the throat. Just bop, bop, bop. Just like this. Where's Henry? Hold on. Henry. Uh, Henry. I just fucking. Bop, bop. <laughs> yo, that's a hard slap, bro. It is. Mm, fucking. <laughs> I would love that shit right against the cage like that. That's I just fucking bitch smack him. Bass rootin' style. Oh man, I'm getting hype.
0: Yeah, I think that's I think that's next for you, man. I think that's what you should do.
1: Probably. Let me get let me come, let me smoke another bowl. Hold on. <laughs> this is why I don't smoke in camp. Not just because I don't get drug tested, but without weed, I am a savage. <laughs> weed is like the tranquilizer for me. They give the lion at the zoo.
0: You right Delta eight? Delta
1: is that what they give
0: them? Now, have you tried the Delta-8? Oh,
1: that's like the, uh, it's, that's a compound from weed, right?
0: Yeah, but it's like, you can get it at like a smoke shop. But I mean, it's the same thing as an edible. Like I've noticed zero difference. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. regulated. I,
0: I think it's going to be eventually they're going to make it illegal. Gary Rock turned me onto it and I was like, oh, I'll give it a try to go to sleep. And I took like a little piece just thinking it would help me sleep. And it was way too much. I was like, oh, that's <laughs> not good. But Shit,
1: okay, Delta A, right? Well, Delta I guess a, you, you make deal. it ahead of the regulation for it.
0: Yeah, they, it's going to be illegal at some point. But for right now, I mean, you go to a smoke shop with sure. 20 bucks, you get a you know, 10, 15 gummies out of them. It's not a, not a bad deal.
1: That's why I don't trust the vaccine, Nick. If it's too good, it would be illegal. Yeah.
0: <laughs> So we, we were talking a little bit before that. I thought it was a really interesting subject about the, like checks and balances and the bullshit on social media. Oh, my um, God. And I, I think it's, uh, it's such an interesting topic because even like you so, were saying about how people can, you could go out and you can create your own system of checks and balances. And, and the, talk about the example you were given with kids and the octopus because I thought that was a great one. So
1: my, my wife is a New York City Department of Education teacher. Sorry, baby. It's unfortunate. <laughs> well, no, it is. They're brutal. They're uh, very restrictive. Uh, so she teaches a lesson to her kids about how like you can't believe everything you see on the internet so there's a website about the Washington tree oc- octopus and the site has like you know uh, all the times the octopus has been sighting and they made a kind of weird octopus and it's in the trees and they make this whole story around it and they have like testimonials so someone's there like Oh my God, I've seen this tree octopus. That thing ran up the tree faster than I ever seen anything move. It had 20 legs, it looked like, right? You just, it's, it. So this whole thing, they have a shop, right, for the tree octopus. And uh, the kids are like, oh, wow, I want to go see the tree octopus. She's like This is fake. It's made up. Like, it doesn't actually exist. Someone just made this, took a couple hours, and fabricated that stuff, did a day of shooting, Boom, and you can make anything fake, and that's just someone effing around who's a New York City school teacher. Imagine if you had a budget behind it, what you can make look fake. So you got to be careful. I don't believe half of what I see. Pretty much none of what I, actually, I don't believe none of what I see, half of what I hear, and not too much of what I think. So.
0: <laughs> no, you know it's a great point. The uh, shout out to Mark Turner, Brad Johns, the BJJ lab out here in Naperville, but like he's from Scotland and he he's always talking about haggis and I thought it was a real thing and I looked it up like you know they run with one leg and they they all these they they have blonde ones that are female and it's all bullshit but you can look online and find pictures and stories and tales and all kinds of stuff and and it's all nonsense and especially today with things like like Canva just the stuff you can do with a computer or not even a computer anymore just on your phone to make very believable things it it gets very dangerous and there's a very fine line that I'm guilty of it. I literally just had a talk with Longo. He, he called me and asked me something. And, and I was like, dude, I got to be honest. I, I didn't even read it or watch it. I just, I just reposted it because I saw you were involved and I was trying to be supportive. And he was like, probably shouldn't do that. And I was like, yeah, you're probably oh, right. Really? Because, he
1: was like, you probably shouldn't do that.
0: Yeah. But, but I mean, it makes sense because like you said, it takes 10 seconds sometimes to go and verify something or look something up before you put it out there. And a lot of the times it's nonsense, but sometimes it's not, and there's conflicting information. The levels of people, like you said, that if, if, it's, if they're really committed to that and they have resources, they can bury stuff pretty deep that it gets very, very hard to prove I something right or wrong. It's, it's too, confusing, man. Imagine. Say again?
1: I could fake a lot of stuff very easy too. Think about how people back, they thought War of the Worlds, the broadcast was actual alien invasion. That's just words. Now, I mean, think about it. If you can make a movie, if $100 million will make you a movie that can show you anything you want, what do you think guys that have a trillion dollars can make? So I don't trust anything I see, Nick. I'm very hesitant to believe anything I'm shown because of how malleable all that is and anything I read. I need a few sources before I trust anything. And even then I don't trust it because any of this could be manipulated. Uh, maybe I'm a huge fan of dystopias, but it's pretty easy to see in front of me. Uh, the way things are going and with doublespeak, changing things from day to day digitally. If you have no written record of it, how do you know? So I don't know if you've seen like how the the World Health Organization changed a certain definition. No. They changed that definition. That, That old definition doesn't exist unless you, it's only digital. Unless you had saved it and screenshotted it or whatever, have a hard copy, that's why I won't throw out any more books because the digital copy, you could always hack and change. Think about it, people hack governments. You think they can't hack Wikipedia? Come on. And that's what most people, Wikipedia is not a source. That's that's any, I could write anything on Wikipedia. My boy once put like instead uh, on a, like a sure dog site to fuck with me, I used to always take bronze. I'm, I have like 27 bronze medals, right? So he made my name, Bronze Manimal. And I was like, <laughs> You know, that's not what you you just went in the site and was like, change my profile information. So so you always have to be cautious so with computers, they're easy to uh to hijack. I mean, there's a whole field of hacking, right? That that's all they do. People steal identities, currency. I mean, the amount of things you could do on the internet fraudulently is endless. Uh just like in real life, uh limited only by your imagination. So imagine that what you see, right, is subject to to fuckery as well. So people call me a conspiracy theorist a lot, and uh, I don't know if that's necessarily the case when most of the stuff you're talking about is pretty easy to prove. But whatever, that's a whole other podcast topic, Nick. In the realms, in the earthly realms, uh, it's easy to fool people. I mean, acting, Guy's never heard of acting, lying. <laughs> How about just straight lying? Uh, if I I can tell, tell someone anything, I'll tell a girl I got a 12 inch, uh, you know, I'm 12 inches, and I'll take a picture off the internet and I'll send her that and she'll think that, right? You know, it's easy. These things are so easy, right? They're gonna believe, and people, remember what the ultimate expert on all this is Julius Caesar. Right, because what happened, what's happening now is the same thing that was happening then. And he's like, people believe easily what they want to believe. So if you just figure out what people want to believe, it's easy to fool them. So you always have to be careful. Is this something I want to believe? And I have to caution myself that too. Like I'm hesitant about certain things. Is that a bias I have? And then I have to decide if that is my bias, am I willing to bet on my bias? And I usually am. You know, and sometimes I'm not, and I'm not willing to bet on this bias, right? My view may be too skewed. I'm not willing to take a bet on this. Other times I'm willing to bet on it and back it. I guess it's like real estate. Not that I have a lot of experience in it, but you're like, oh, is this risky? Well, is it worth it or is it not? So I'm always making those calculations just for anything I believe.
0: No, it's good. It's always good to do risk analysis. And I I think a, a couple of things with that, one of them being, you know, the, you throw algorithms and stuff in there too, on top of all the different things that are people are pushing out there, you know, you start clicking on stuff. Cause I just, I just read Seth Rogan's book and he was talking about the guy who put Twitter together and like the blue checks. And he was like, dude, I started getting all this like hate white power, like anti-Jewish stuff. And people were like pushing like violent stuff towards me. And they're all verified on Twitter. And he went back to the, the owner and he was like, what's with this dude? He's like, what does this even mean? And he was like, well, the blue checks on Twitter it was kind of just a gimme that I gave to people that I liked. He's like, Well, does it really do anything? He's like, Yeah, if you're if you have a blue check mark on Twitter, it's gonna drastically expose your tweets more than others. They're gonna rise to the top, they're gonna get preference. So more people are gonna see them, the more people see them, they click on them, they interact with them, it's going. So literally, by giving people a blue check mark that you just for some reason decided to do it without checking, and this guy's spreading hate and violence, and now you're promoting it. And there's zero accountability for it, you know what I mean? And it was like, well, it was like, oh, we really don't have the resources to do anything about that. It's like you do, you just don't want to. And you know, what blue check. yeah, like it, it was just, it, it's it's such a, a crazy time that the people like him that are in power have so much control over what people see. Listen, so we were someone uh,
1: that had a, a blue check and wasn't who he says he was. So <laughs> you know, there's no accounting for that. And I told you that's another good example. I'm not going to name names but a particular person uh, that we both know uh, made on the internet, he put up a page that says his net worth. And if people ask for his net worth, he'll as a different account respond to that. And he put up his net worth was like 17 mil, which if you Google him, and then you see that his net worth is that makes you instantly think differently about him, Right, Nick? So if I Google you, if I was like Nick LaMagna net worth, and it was like 60 mil, you would be like, that's too little. I'm worth more (laughs) now, but just kidding. But like, if if someone Googled you, let's say you, I talked to you about real estate and you were like, I want you to invest in this thing with me and I'm on the fence and I Google you and it pops up and you made your own page on this. You made your own page. Hey, what's Nicola Magna worth? And it's, you know, the, the is by, you know, Nicole Agamala, right? You are named backwards, right? (laughs) And, uh, is worth, you know, 60 mil, one of the hottest real, you just make a, a page, like a fan page about you. And I look at that and be like, Oh shit, this guy's worth 60 mil. I'm going to trust him. You just made it up. Crazy. Show me your fucking bank account. That's like someone, uh, business coach on a Well, like, uh, what's stopping you? I was like, show me your bank account. Like, yeah. cause people are full of shit. Cause I remember when I had a gym, guys would always be telling you what to do. And all those guys, listen, even though I went out of business, they went out before me. <laughs> they were telling me what to do. like, show me your bank account. You know, and mine really a couple moves the right way would have put me in a situation I would have hated today. So thank God.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm big on that, man. That's why part of what I do is I, I, whenever I'm talking to people business-wise and stuff, you know, and again, it's it's stuff you have to know. But, you know, like, again, back to jujitsu, you talk to somebody about jujitsu, you're going to know within five minutes if that person knows what they're talking about or not. It's this kind of same thing with real estate, you know what I mean? Like, regardless of what it is. I'll ask people about their experiences because I, I want to hear like the, the real life stuff because I know what it's like, maybe not on a specific type of dealer asset class that they're dealing with, but you, know, you can tell if they've been through some shit and have some experience and know what it's like to kind of work through the lumps because I always want to hear about like what went wrong and how did you deal with that? Kind of like your stuff, man. Like you could tell people so many things not to do when opening up a business, you know, here's the things you need to look out for. Here's the mistakes I made. And to me, that shit's worth it. And when you have the people like we're talking about that are out there and all you see is the Instagram page with the fucking Ferraris and the girls and the, the public speaking, and this is all I do. That's I always when I'm like, Ferrari, yeah, but like, was that- I, could,
1: I could go rent the Ferrari. I could borrow one of my boys' Ferraris, you know, like I could make it look, one of my uh, one of my clients that I used to train her family is like Indian royalty and mad money, right? And so uh, for her, I don't know, I think she graduated junior high, not junior high, she graduated bachelor's degree. And they bought her a brand new Mercedes hooked up, right? And she took a pic- and, uh, you know, she takes a picture. It's like hard work pays off with her in the Mercedes. Kind of like saying to the internet, like, her working hard bought this. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, oh, hard work pays off. Yeah, hard yeah, you you went to school, but your parents just bought you a hundred thousand dollar car.
0: You were born on third. You didn't get a home run.
1: And they paid for your college. So it wasn't like the hard work paid for both your college and this Mercedes.
0: Yep. Your
1: parents paid for it. Yes, you did work, you did do what they wanted you to do. You're a good kid. You sure I'm not saying you don't deserve it, but what I'm saying is you're misrepresenting how you got this thing.
0: Ever wanted to play the drums? Or do you want to get your kids some drum lessons to burn some of that energy while they are all locked up? Take advantage of a free drum lesson with one of the tri-state area's most respected drummers, Dan LaMagna. Dan LaMagna has played in such bands as Crown of Thorns, Suicide City, Biohazard, The Real Mackenzies, Sworn Enemy, The Walls of Jericho. He has played all over the world, and he is also endorsed by such companies as DW, Vader, and Sabian. Dan has taught... Tons of people from all different age groups and all different music styles. He can teach adults, kids, advanced, beginner, any types of styles from metal, all different types of percussion, whatever style you want. Get a free drum lesson today from Dan. All you need to do is text the word DRUMMER, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to 833-632-0585. Again, text the word DRUMMER, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to the number 833 632 0585 for your free online drum lesson.
1: It used to be this jiu-jitsu guy. Uh, it was all right. And uh, he started doing like these videos of him in like this fat looking mansion. It's, his dad's a dentist and his mom was like, a, he, he has two doctors or his parents. He's in his parents' house showing you their pool acting like it's his, <laughs> <laughs> it is his, those are his parents. He hit the, the, the gods, blessed him. Yes, that is yours, however. He's selling like business coaching as if it's his magic. It's nuts. Well, and then you, you know don't that's really check into it. You just believe what you want to believe. You believe, oh man, if I just you know do a little bit more, I could be rich like this dude, right? That's what you want to believe. You want to believe, oh, if I just do this, well, I won't ever die. That's really what we're <laughs> doing. That's what most of you do. Like if I do this, I won't ever die. And uh, I don't know where this is ending. You know, uh, I think there's a weird thing where we kind of want to make humans like this, just kind of like a transhumanism thing. Like we'll change our DNA, we'll do this, we'll merge with technology. And anyone that wants to merge with technology, I would caution them to think about their CD CD player. That no longer works. Your consciousness, if you ever uploaded it into the cloud or whatever in 10 years when there's a new system, would quickly be lost and you would be an immortal voice in the void of nothingness. It would really be a terrible, immortal existence.
0: And you think of it like the, uh, with the iPhone, whenever there's like an update, if you don't upgrade to that next thing, you start just throttling back. It's not working. It's got all kinds of bugs. Like what and happens when, when is you, you can upgrade?
1: It's over the course <laughs> of 10 years now that we've seen this. Extrapolate this over the course of hundreds. Yeah. Now you're talking about you want to be immortal. People are afraid to die. Extrapolate this over hundreds of years it can get really worse than just
0: sucking it up. <laughs> yeah. Now I think you were the you actually were one of the people who was saying when I first got the podcast going and I was saying how much longer it was taking me and you're like everything's going to be like two or three times what you even expected it to be. Yeah. And I think that that, you know, that that mindset is really the thing that separates when you when I see somebody like on Instagram or somebody you know out there kind of parading around, that's the first thing I think of like how hard did you have to actually work to do that? How much time and energy? Because like, you know how how much it costs, like, you know how long it took to get a black belt. You know how how much weight you had to lose and how hard you had to work to do that. And so when I see a guy like, uh, so when you see a guy like Quinta and he's in the backyard, you know, canoeing around ducks, you can literally backlog and see, what that guy sacrificed to make the money to buy that house. You know what I mean? Oh, and, then, yeah. and you know, it when you that's talk to a guy home. like that, like this is a guy who who earned his stuff and he's not out there, you know, flaunting it. He worked for it just like he worked hard for everything else. So that's kind of where, you know, full circle. That's, that's why I always like talking to guys that are long-term fighters or jujitsu guys, because the guys that put the time in to become professional fighters or black belts are not the guys that are out there like walking around with a fake black belt that really only took jujitsu for six months. You, you know, I don't know guys like that.
1: So I believe in one thing, a meritocracy, where the best people do the things they're best at. And the only way to know a real meritocracy is by true signals. So in the animal world, we have tr- some true signals. You know what those are? A true signal? No. That shows you're a badass. So there's, there's true signals that animals have to show they're a badass. Uh, it makes them more susceptible to danger. Usually the male will show this true signal. A peacock. Who has the bright, colorful feathers?
0: The female, right?
1: No, the male.
0: Oh, really? The
1: male has bright, colorful feathers. He uses that for mating to attract the female. Now, when that male opens up, these big feathers, that peacock is not a lion. He has predators, right? Things eat peacocks. But when he goes on display like this, he's sending a true signal. He's like, look at me. I'm such a badass that I'm out here showing off while things can eat me. I'm a fucking badass, <laughs> right? That's the true signal. He's like, I wouldn't be able to survive if I wasn't. Because look at these big, beautiful feathers. Uh, and these true signals in nature are very important. And I think we're missing that in our society. Because you will take someone who shows true signals, a black belt in jujitsu who's extremely healthy, fights at 40 years old, and you will tell him he does not know about health. You will tell him he's sick and don't even know it. So you, can t- so you can ignore the true signal in our society. Look at the health secretaries of Canada. You ever Google them? No. Look at the health secretary of the US. Look at the health secretary of Canada. And I think the health secretary of Britain. They're gross. And they're not showing true signals. If you were the health secretary, the true signal is you would be healthy. So in the animal kingdom, they have true signals. The lion with the mane, right? He's going to attract attention. He has to be able to defend himself. He has uh, you know, pr- a territory to protect. It's a true signal. You know he's a badass because if he wasn't, he'd be dead, right? There's no hiding true signaling. And the weaker people become, the more they hide behind true signaling. So they don't want a true signal. They want instead of a meritocracy, they want a mediocracy. Everyone's mediocre, right? We don't really want to say that guy's that great. You got to be careful with this. To me, Nick like participation trophies, right? They want to hide true signaling. The true signal is the title. That's the true signal. Look, I won the belt. It's a true signal. Like to be able to do that, you had to do a bunch of things to get there. It's the true signal. So fighting is one of the last bastions and sports and athletics are usually the last bastions of meritocracy. Like you don't want the opposite stuff like nepotism. Guys get a job just because they're related to you. It's like, oh, well, I gave my brother a job. How is he? Eh, he sucks, but that's my brother. <laughs> you don't really want a society run like that. Well, I gave my boy the job. Well, how is he? Hey, shitty, but that's my boy. You know, you want the best person. I think now we got away from true signaling and it's not a good thing to me. that. But
0: I agree. That, you know, that, that's where you see the, the, what happened with Joe Schilling. You know, one guy thinking he's the peacock oh, oh, oh. and he sets up to the lion, dude.
1: Hold on. Joe Schilling is out of control. I thought I was crazy. <laughs> Bro, the level of escalation, he went like way over the threat level, but I guess he he didn't know offhand what the threat level was, but yo, he's lucky he didn't kill the guy really. What if that guy would've hit his head and died? You know, he is lucky. I mean, listen, I understand he's not a grappler. He's a striker. So his, ins- I would've just grappled that guy, took him down and made him look silly. Even the old, the old Matt rough.
0: Sarah.
1: I would've been rougher with him. If I wanted to prove a point, I probably would've made him smack himself. <laughs> you think i'm joking i'll make a grown no. man smack himself if i get mount if you don't know jujitsu and i get mount on a dude i guarantee you i can make him smack himself guarantee i'm strong too i'll fucking manhandle a dude <laughs> just mount him and make him smack himself what you do with your kids so yeah but he dropped that guy i mean he really that escalated quickly
0: <laughs> we're trying to get that, that guy, really guy out FUG. I tried to find that guy to get him on uh, this new podcast. I, I messaged him a few times, but uh, I, no, no response yet. But I think that'll be great watching Al interview that guy that Schilling knocked out.
1: Oh, my God. That would be so funny. <laughs> hey, what do you think was going to happen when you fucking cocked your fist?
0: That's the thing. Like, you know, true true signaling. Maybe the cauliflower ears. You know, you got to look for those things. Like, this is a true guy signaling. you might not want to mess with.
1: First of all, cauliflower ears not true signaling. I don't really have much, but it is a true signal, I guess. It shows you had to you had to be wrestling at least some amount of time to get it. Scars, scars are true signaling right here, the cuts all on the front. So never turn my back. <laughs> but, uh, you call, there's an old I love the the old Republican Rome is the ideal of Republican civic virtue. The ultimate civic virtue to me. And this is what I wish our society would have something of. Do you know who Cincinnatus is? Who the town of Cincinnati is named after? No. So, Cincinnatus in about the 400s BC, uh, Rome is a small republic, mostly small farmers. They don't have a standing military. Your military is drawn up as you need it from citizen. Every citizen a soldier. So, they wind up warring with this tribe and they're not doing great. They call up Cincinnatus from his farm. He retires. So, Cincinnati was a great soldier. He had been retired, he's working his five acre farm. They grab Cincinnati and he's working his plow. And they're like, we elected you dictator for six months. Dictator was a the position they would give you. So you had all the power, you got six months, do whatever you need to do to figure this out. So Cincinnati put down the plow, in 18 days, 18 days, gathers the army, fuck shit up, right? Quells the threat and then gives back the dictatorship. After 18 days, he, gave, he had it for six months. He was like, I did what you asked me to do. I'm done. I'm to go back to the plow. That's civic virtue. And I think that's what's missing in our society. Politicians serve forever. They don't understand civic virtue, where you serve to do what you said you would do. And then you go back to a normal life as a private citizen. And I think this is sorely missing. Then what happens is you develop an oligarchy. And this is what happened at the end of the Roman Republic. You have Julius Caesar, Pompey, Crassus, you have all these rich dudes with a lot of power who essentially each in turn wanna take over the whole bag and at least the civil war and uh, reconstituting as an empire. So I see a lot of parallels in history to the modern era. And as someone who's a student of history, I get very worried when I see people who do not study history Reacting in certain ways, history does repeat itself, doesn't it?
0: I love it, man. Wise beyond his words, as always. It's always great catching up with you. I'll be home in a couple weeks, man. I look to get some rolling in. But talk about how, how do people find you? How do people get your podcast? How do people find out about manimal training camp? Talk all things manimal
1: guys. We got a lot coming up, so I'll be posting up for the documentary as we get closer to that. That's the big thing. I really hope that I could like inspire someone. You know, Nick, I don't talk about it a lot, but I talk about in a documentary that I almost killed myself after the, my gym went bankrupt. And you know, we have friends that have committed suicide and it's a real tough thing to go through. And I understand what it's like to be low. So hopefully if I could inspire someone and stop someone and have someone stick around, you know, a little bit longer, if I could do that, that documentary would be a success. As far as the other stuff, best for me on Instagram, at manimaljohn. I've been putting out a lot of good content, a lot of good training videos. Uh, I've really been stepping that up. So if I could get a follow on that, that's great. Manimal Zone is on iTunes. And uh, next Manimal Training Camp, looking for the second week in September. But I want to do that one big. I want to do it right. And I want to have stuff that I could follow up. So everyone that comes to the camp, I want to deliver a program that we could follow together and then really take them to, from average to savage, you know, by the end of the year, I want a bunch of fucking savages.
0: Nice, man. I love it. And you're, of course, you are going to be the next 155 pound combat jujitsu world champion. So we also have that to look forward to.
1: Should I write that on my battle board? Yeah. yeah. That's set into the universe.
0: Cause Definitely I'm sure.
1: I'm not, yeah. I might have to take a boat there though.
0: Why? <laughs> take oh,
1: like a private plane. Think of private. <laughs> no, because travel is going to get crazy for me out there. I'm going to be like a wild animal out here.
0: <laughs> well, I am glad that you, uh, you stuck around my friend. It's always inspiring to talk to you. I think you have an incredible story, incredible journey to share. And I think you are going to inspire a lot of people. And again, for anybody who didn't hear the first episode, I'll put a link in the show notes here with all of your contacts for all that stuff for this episode as well. Any final thoughts before I let you go?
1: Stay savage, my friends.
0: I love it. John Benaducci, ladies and gentlemen.